In this series that we're beginning this Sunday, I want to talk for the next eight weeks together about the idea of coincidence. Is there such a thing as coincidence? Or is everything destiny? Is everything planned? The way we think of coincidence, track with me here, is defined as events or circumstances that occur together without causal connection. They're just things that happen with no great overarching cause behind them. Now this poses a problem for one who claims to be a Christ follower, and here's the problem. Because having a belief in God means that coincidence, as is understood that way, cannot exist because the cause is not unknown. See, here's how it works. If there are coincidence, when bad happens, we're always the victim. I had no control. It just happened that way. Nobody had control. It's just, it's just bad coincidence. Always the victim. But if something good happens, and then we become superstitious to try to make that good happen again. Like, I don't know, I don't know how, why that went the way it did, but that was good, so I'm going to do everything I can to try to do everything right so that that good happens again. So we either become a victim or superstitious. And, and, and so I, what I decided to do is to take the next eight weeks and look at the idea of coincidence. Because probably, if you're like me, especially over these last two years, you've got to ask the question, is there a plan to this whole thing? Or does stuff just happen? Have you ever been through uh, happenings and events and seasons in your life? You're like, what in the world? Like, this just thought, What's the plan to all this? Is it just bad coincidence? Let me ask you this. Any of you who are students of the Bible, is coincidence in the Bible? Well, sorry to disappoint you. It is in the Bible one time. The <laughs> it was like a no! Guess who used the word coincidence? Jesus. Or coincidence in the Bible one time used by none other than Jesus himself. When Jesus was telling the parable of the Good Samaritan, in Luke chapter 10, verse 31, that's what the Bible says. Now, by chance, that literally means coincidence. And it's only the Amplified Bible that actually uses the word, but this is the exact word that we get coincidence. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, the guy who was beat up, he passed by on the other side. Now, just by coincidence, Jesus says, the fellow got beat up, left for dead, and just by coincidence, by chance, the a pastor's walking down his side of the road. He saw the poor fellow and went to the other side and kept on walking. Now, when Jesus uses this word by chance or literally coincidence, it's a Greek word called synkirios. And what it literally means 
is a, it's a compound word. Sin means together with, and curios means supreme authority. So when Jesus says by chance, what he's saying is these events work together by supreme authority's discretion. So yes, coincidence is in the Bible, but no, not in the way that we've always talked about coincidence. You understand? Jesus says by chance, these events were put together by a supreme authority. Literally, what it means, what coincidence biblically means, is that what occurs together by God's providential arrangements of events. So when the Christ follower with a biblical worldview talks about coincidence, what they talk about is events occurring together by God's providential arrangement. For those without a biblical worldview, what they talk about by coincidence is stuff just happens and you're either a victim or superstitious about it. So the question I have to ask is which have you I been? To anyone who believes in a divine sovereign God who cares for the welfare of his creations, there is really no coincidence as we've commonly understood coincidence, i.e. chance. And for the Christ follower, we accept that coincidence or chance is really events orchestrated by a sovereign God who cares even about the life of a little sparrow and the hairs on our head, which is no big deal for God on my behalf, but uh, for others, like Heather. Here's what I know. God orchestrates events. My job is to respond with a biblical worldview. Uh, in, in my study of Ephesians this last week, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it basically says, meet all occasions with prayer. Pray for clarity and to trust God's orchestration. For clarity and trust that there is a plan and there is a point and there is a purpose. In this series, we're going to look through the Bible from the Old Testament all the way through the New and we're going to see what on the outset, from the outside, appears as coincidences. But if we look at the inside of it, from a biblical worldview, we'll see orchestrations of a sovereign God. And what we'll see are whispers of a Christ. I'm going to tell you where we're going in this series. We're going to look at these coincidences that God orchestrates. That God orchestrates a dead end to produce a deliverance. We'll see that God orchestrates a crisis to produce a leader. We'll see in the scripture that God orchestrates a lack to produce a love. We'll see where God orchestrates by coincidence someone lowly to raise up a hero. We'll see by God's divine providence what looks as coincidence that God will orchestrate a deficit to provide a solution. We'll see how God in his providence orchestrates you for the moment that you happen to be in. And we'll see by coincidence at God's orchestration that God orchestrates events so you can reach your huddle and needs in life so you can reach your huddle. And so we're going to start way back in the book of Genesis. 
chapters 37 through 50. And if any of you are good Bible students, you know exactly who we're talking about when I say the phrase Genesis 37 through 50. Who are we talking about? Some of you know. Don't be shy. Who? I'm not going to say anything else till someone tells me the name Joseph. <laughs> Who? Good Bible students. There we go. So this guy Joseph, at the end of the story, he has risen to the second in command of the nation of Egypt. The country, I mean, it's, the, it's the greatest world power on earth at the time. And he's the second in command. The leader of the nation is Pharaoh. He's right below Pharaoh, overseeing all aspects of civil life and governmental policy and affairs. Now, here's the thing about Joseph. He didn't get to that position the normal way. He's the second in command of Egypt, and he's not even Egyptian. How do you get to be the second in command of Egypt, the greatest world power of the time, and not even be Egyptian? Well... He came into governmental leadership in Egypt because he was introduced to Pharaoh. It just so happened that by coincidence, Pharaoh had some dreams that worried him, and he didn't know what they meant. And it just so happened that God had given Joseph wisdom to interpret dreams. Jo Joseph, by coincidence, happened to know someone who worked in the government under Pharaoh. And that person happened to introduce Joseph to Pharaoh. When Joseph heard about Pharaoh's dreams, he interpreted them. So enamored by Pharaoh, uh, by Joseph was Pharaoh, that he rewarded Joseph with the second in command of the entire country. In that position, Joseph delivered that nation and surrounding nations from a very severe famine brought on by drought. He saved that country, surrounding countries, and he even saved his own family. See, they had been separated because of some family turmoil, and they had a huge family reunion because of the position Joseph was in by coincidence. Right? But Joseph didn't meet that guy working in Pharaoh's government the usual way. Oh, no. Joseph happened, by coincidence, to meet that fella in jail. And that guy happened to be in jail in the same cell block at the exact same time. And that guy happened, by coincidence, to have some dreams that freaked him out as well. And he knew that Joseph could interpret dreams, and Joseph interpreted those dreams. But in jail, Joseph didn't get to jail by the normal route either. By coincidence, he was truly innocent. He just happened to be working for, at the time, the individual named Potiphar, who just happened, by coincidence, to be in charge of the jail system. And he rose in Potiphar's estate to be the second in command of Potiphar's entire estate. And it just happened to be that Potiphar's wife took a liking to Joseph. And by coincidence, she continued to pursue this young man day after day after day. Joseph, being a man of integrity, continued to deny her and reject her. But she made charges against him anyway. And he was convicted by the court of public opinion and in an actual court. And the conviction of that court is what led him to meeting the guy who worked for Pharaoh, is what led him to working for Pharaoh, what led him to saving the nation and his country and his family. 
It's all by coincidence, right? But see, Joseph didn't go to work for Potiphar in the usual way. He was sold into Potiphar's house and service because of human trafficking and slavery at the hands of a group of people called the Ishmaelites by his own brothers. See, he and his brothers just happened to have a huge fight. They had terrible family conflict, and some of his brothers wanted to kill him. One of his brothers stood up on his behalf and said, let's not kill him. Let's throw him into this old dry pit till we figure out what to do. It just happened to be by coincidence that right at that time, these Ishmaelite traders were passing by, seeing the commotion, hearing what was going on. They just happened to have a coincidental meeting with Joseph's brothers, and his brothers sold him to the Ishmaelites, who just happened by coincidence to be going to the land of Egypt to meet Potiphar, and there the transaction of Joseph's life took place. Coincidence, right? So let's just understand this guy's life. By coincidence, the is starting at the beginning, the Ishmaelites came by right at the perfect time to get Joseph. By coincidence, they happened to sell Joseph to Potiphar. By coincidence, Potiphar happened to be in charge of the prison system. By coincidence, Joseph was falsely accused and thrown into prison. By coincidence, was thrown into the same prison that a guy who used to work for Pharaoh was also incarcerated on the same jail block. By coincidence, that guy had a weird dream that by coincidence, Joseph happened to interpret. By coincidence, that guy got out of jail and happened to go back to work for Pharaoh. By coincidence, Pharaoh had a dream that freaked him out as well. By coincidence, those two guys had a conversation in which Joseph's name was brought up. By coincidence, Joseph was brought out to tell Pharaoh his dream. By coincidence, Joseph was at the right place at the right time. By coincidence, right? Here's what I know. Events occur together by God's providential arrangement. Our job is just to respond with a biblical worldview to those. Do you understand? And unless we have a biblical worldview, we're either going to respond as a victim to coincidence or as superstitious individuals trying to make it happen again. See, here's what we have to understand. Joseph faced dead end after dead end after dead end. At every dead end, God was producing a deliverance. And with every deliverance was a whisper of a deliverer. I mean, think about the dead ends he faced. The dead end of family falling apart, the dead end of betrayal, the dead end of accusation, the dead end of jail. The fact is, some of you have faced and are facing dead ends right now. And some of you have faced dead ends And God has delivered you out of them. Some of you have faced dead ends of a divorce. And in God's mercy and grace, he's delivered you into a biblical godly marriage now. And the whisper of a deliverer. Some of you have been in a pit of debt, of depression, of despair. And God has delivered you out. And he's whispered about a deliverer. At every 
that God has ever worked a deliverance in your life, it has been a whisper that there is a deliverer. It's not by coincidence. It's not by chance. It's not by your good fortune. It's not by your work. It's not by your effort. It's not by might nor by strength, declares the Lord, but by my spirit, because it's a providential orchestrating God who loves you. So the question as we look at this idea of coincidence and in Joseph's life specifically, how do we handle our dead ends? Imagine, imagine being Joseph. Imagine if his story were your story. At what point during that story would we have already given up? Right? And so it behooves us to ask the question, how do we handle our dead ends? Well, it depends on our worldview. Do, do you view your, your, your dead end as the final chapter to your book? If so, you're going to fall into despair. Or do you view it from a biblical worldview as the orchestration of God's plan to bring about a greater deliverance? And will you hear in it the whisper of a deliverer? I want you to notice what Joseph said. When this whole thing goes down, there's been years and years in the making. And at the end of this whole time, he's the second in command of Egypt. And all Egypt and all the nations around are suffering incredible famine. And so Joseph's father, with all his other kids, sends his sons to Egypt because Joseph has had the wisdom and foresight of God to store up grain. And so Egypt and all these nations come to Joseph for grain, for food, so they don't die. And so Joseph's father sends all his sons to Egypt to get grain. And so all of a sudden, Joseph, unbeknownst to his brothers who sold him into slavery, that led him to Potiphar in an accusation, that led him to jail, that led him to the throne, are standing before him not knowing that it's him. And Joseph's looking at his brothers. They don't know it's him. He knows it's them. And now he starts looking back at all this stuff that, had got, that, that was coincidence at the time and realizes God's orchestration of it all. And look at what he says. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what's being done for the saving of many lives. Actually, if you read this story, you go earlier five chapters of Genesis 45. And what Joseph says is even more profound. What Joseph says in Genesis 45, get this. He tells his brothers, don't feel bad about what you did. Okay, wait. They... He says, don't feel bad about what you did selling me into slavery. Because you didn't do it to me. God did. Now just press pause for a minute. You think about people in your life that has betrayed you and hurt you and cast you aside. Can you say to them with authenticity, 
don't feel bad about what you did. You didn't do it. God orchestrated it. Like, where does God fit in that paradigm of what he does? That he can even orchestrate someone's betrayal and sin against you. At his orchestration for you. But I want you to understand something. Joseph did not say God intended it for good before he was delivered. Joseph, I suggest to you this. Joseph did not know the purpose of the dead ends while he was in the dead end. He didn't know when he was sold to the Ishmaelites. He didn't know when he was given to Potiphar. He didn't know when the Potiphar's wife, he didn't know when he was in jail, how it was going to come out. He says this happened for the saving of many lives. The saving of many lives happened after he was delivered. So while he was in it, he didn't know how it was going to turn out. He just knew that it was. See, here's what we have to understand. There's a purpose in the dead end. There's a purpose. But you don't know what it is while you're in it. You don't know. See, so I was thinking this week, like, how do I put this together in my head so it makes sense to me? Because I figure if it makes sense to me, it'll be easy to make sense to you. Because I'm like the lowest, like, you know, I'm the simplest minded guy here. So if I can make it make sense to me, I know it'll make sense to you. So th this is what I came up with. You'll not know the purpose till you're out of it, but you must believe there's a purpose while you're in it. Does that make sense? So, But here's our problem. That sounds good on a screen, but when it's our lives, what we end up saying is, God, I know you got a plan and a purpose. If you'll just let me know what that is, I'll go through it well. And God says, I don't work that way. Because if I told you what it was on the front end, you wouldn't go through it in faith. You would go through it in knowledge. And you going through something in knowledge does not make me smile. The Bible says, if you got a good Bible in the book of Hebrews, he says that we please God by faith. Yes. And so by faith, I'll go through it. Knowing you're orchestrating it. We're good. So think right now. What is the dead end that you're looking at? And it might not even be for you. Maybe it's your kid. What's the dead end that you're just... I don't know how this is going to pan out. I don't see the good that can come out of this. Have you viewed that dead end as the last chapter of your book? Is that just the way it's going to be? Or might it be part of God's orchestration for your and their deliverance? See, while we're in a dead end, we have to have faith that God's not done. See, when Joseph's brother sold him, God was orchestrating something. When Potiphar's wife accused him, God was orchestrating something. When he was thrown in jail, God was orchestrating something. And so the question is, what's your debt in? When you're in debt, God's not done. If you're still single, 
God's orchestrating something. Be patient. When your family's in crisis, it doesn't mean that God's done. When your job falls apart, God is orchestrating something. When your dreams die, God isn't done. When hope is our dash, God is orchestrating something. Whatever the dead end, you've got to know God's not done. Even when we die, God has already orchestrated something. Do you understand? Your dead end may just be the coincidence that God is orchestrating to bring about a greater deliverance. And I want you to know this. The deliverance is always lasts, always lasts longer than the dead end. That's just the way God works. And so, I want us to ask ourselves, what's the dead end that I'm facing right now? What is it? What's that thing that just feels as though I... I don't know, I can't figure that one out. And I have no answers. I want you to keep that in mind as we go through this series together. I, I, this, is, this is not just for today, though it is for today. But I want you to keep that in mind as we go through this series together. Because what we'll see in the biblical worldview, that that dead end may just be God's orchestration of deliverance. That that dead end may just be the orchestration of something greater. That that crisis may just be God producing a leader in you. That that lack may just be the orchestration of God producing a love. That that need may just be God's orchestration so you can finally reach your huddle. That those events that you're experiencing may just be God's orchestration of something He wants to do in your life and the lives around you. What you're in right now may just be God's orchestration of you for that moment that you're in right now. But while you're in that moment, can I suggest to you a prayer? There's no quick solution to this. There's only a positioning. And what Christ followers do is position ourselves in those moments. And we position ourselves through prayer. God, I know that what has gone on is not a coincidence. I trust that you are orchestrating events for a good purpose. I trust you. Help me live with peace. Help me live with confidence. And help me be an example to those in my huddle of one who trusts you. Friends, I'd encourage you right now to take a moment and pray along with me this prayer. In the quietness of this, in the stillness of your own heart. Father, I know that what has gone on is not simply coincidence. And I trust that even now, 
You're orchestrating events for your good purpose. I trust you. Help me live with peace and help me live with confidence and help me be an example to those close to me in my life, my huddle of one who trusts you. Amen. Friends, I want to encourage you to have faith that the events in your life right now are not coincidence. You're not a victim. And you don't need to be superstitious or to make the good things happen. Your coincidence may be God's setup for your deliverance. And so we stand in this moment with a confession that we believe that coincidence is not a mistake. And we believe that we don't stand here as victims of chance. And we believe that God is orchestrating all things together for the good of His kingdom and our blessing along with it. That we believe that God is our Father and He loves us and He is sovereign and powerful and mighty. And he is orchestrating all things together. Because his son came and died and rose. And we believe that he has left us with the presence of the Holy Spirit with us, upon us, and beside us. That we believe that there's new life by the cross. That we believe in the resurrection of death. That we believe that there is no coincidence, there's only orchestration, that we believe that this God is alive and well and worthy to be trusted. We believe. Father, thank you that time and time and time again, you have shown us of your orchestration of all things together for the good of your kingdom and our blessing alongside. Thank you that time and time and time again, you've called us to cry out back to you that yes, God, even in times like this, we believe that you've given us lips and a voice with which we can proclaim that God in the midst of all things that we don't understand, can't see how they're being put together, that even in them, we believe in your name I pray man